everybody, and welcome to another episode of Provoke, the podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we have Sam Hunter and Kelsey Shalou in the studio this afternoon. And we are going to talk about music, correct? Yes, we are. Past, present, and future. Oh, man, I'm very excited. Um, music is a driving force for a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. Um, most people probably not go into this episode. Um, and so we really just want to kind of break it down and see how advertising fits into it, kind of talk about some new shows, old shows. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to start dating myself at some <laughs> point. Um, we're definitely going to talk about MTV and TRL. And then uh, kind of move into how music and brand partnerships work and what, you know, advertisers can learn from them and kind of really just discuss the the future implications of music partnerships and just where it could go in the future with with VR, AR and and and, and QR codes for whatever reason are making a comeback. I don't know. They, 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 they die and then they come back yeah. and then they die again. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about all that. So uh, we're just going to jump right into it. So... As we know, the return of TRL has come back to MTV, and um, Brian, I really feel like you have the most to say about this. (laughs) Um, um, And yeah, so I mean, TRL to you back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was about to say, watch it. I'm not that old, not that old. Um, Yeah, and made it return, what, this past week or was it? Yeah, like a week or so, like a week and a half so ago. so I mean, on your your stance, what is it cool that they're making comeback? Is it hard? Like, do they have even a space to make a comeback? Because from my perspective, mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is like early '90s, there was way less media than there is now. So TRL, MTV, kind of was this cultural gatekeeper of what could be spread, what is cool, what's not, and For kind sure. of had this whole pop culture handle, which now is so dispersed. Of, long all the media that we have so are they still going to be able to hold onto culture in the way that they used to where that was like the source of like mtv just in general was the source yeah. of pop culture yeah um, well i mean and it was kind of they were just victims of circumstance mtv was the source of pop culture because there weren't any other outlets you know, at that time yeah. exactly so like as far back as like the the mid mid to late 80s early to mid 90s and mtv was really started kind of gaining steam that was the one place you went to from a pop culture standpoint mm-hmm. specifically to kind of get all of your new your your music news and information whether it was a new band or a new music video or, or some some amalgamation of both like that was kind of just the, the bastion of of pop culture on tv at that time i mean obviously with things like the internet and 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 streaming services the 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 avenues in which people are able to kind of consume music and music culture have diversified 20 times over Mm -hmm. so i mean part of me feels like part of me feels like they rolled out this new mtv or new trl version from a nostalgia standpoint um and then another part is kind of just like trying to find a way to kind of recapture a lot of the magic, so to speak, mm-hmm. that that TRL had at one time. Mm-hmm. The, you know that there were there were, you know, people set their schedules to seeing to watching TRL, like coming rushing home and, and making sure that they saw you know, their boat was like, yeah, exactly, was exactly, <laughs> being able to see you know Carson Daly on the screen and 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 kind of look for certain music videos new new releases new and hot releases and that was kind of your your gateway especially when you were what in middle school and, and early high school mm-hmm. like that was your again your gateway to kind of figuring out what was cool yeah. so to speak 
Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I, I've watched I watched clips of it. I watched parts here and there of it. And a lot there, there were several elements they tried to tried to maintain, like making sure that it was filmed live and mm-hmm. trying to f- kind of spotlight new acts, which mm-hmm. was another cool thing about TRL. Is like, mm-hmm. like, granted, they gave a lot of airtime to you know existing acts and, and their associated acts, but they also kind of sometimes they left they sometimes left room for new people or newer people to kind of like get a center stage and so which didn't have the platforms exactly then. that was exactly. the platform but now we have so many well yeah that, that platform now is YouTube yeah. I mean, so you know you can just completely yeah. bypass the whole television circuit and kind of just create your own stage online so um, I also wonder like if showcasing video music videos on TRL now is gonna come across more of like a um, uh, what do you call it like a roadblock with artists because I feel like artists now have a tighter control of where their music videos mm-hmm. are being distributed mm-hmm. and like Beyonce had a whole visual album mm-hmm. and I'm sure that she wouldn't want it to just be like here it all is all mm-hmm. in one like she made that whole project yeah. just so people and her fans would go out buy it and so I wonder if there's a tighter hold that that's gonna end up giving them a problem with and that probably goes back to the whole streaming licensing and kind of like political side of sharing music um, well, I mean, I, I know that, and I can only speak for myself being 30, I, I know that with music videos were a big culture. Mm-hmm. Again, back when there were very few avenues to discover new music and see how music could be displayed visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why in a lot of music videos, well, the, the, the handful of music videos you see nowadays, there's 50 different instances of product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they have to pay for it. Yeah. Like they have to pay for it somehow because music videos to this day, if, the, if, if they aren't expensive, they're more expensive than they were to make, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, a decade and a half ago. So I mean, I don't, I, as far as like having a tighter hold on anything, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, you guys tell me you're going to, you, you know, Sam Kelsey, you guys are from like the, 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 a young, much younger generation. Like do, do music videos even have the same impact on TV? on TV, mm-hmm. but I think as a fan of an artist, definitely. I think yeah, okay. like, um, I'm thinking of Kendrick right now, but when he released his new video, there were no, like when music video started dropping for his new album, that was a huge deal for Kendrick fans and yeah. Beyonce fans. Mm-hmm. For sure. Know, however yeah. far you want to go back. But I don't watch TV. Mm. Period. That is the I issue. That's yeah, the issue. I'm not, I don't pay for TV. Mm. I don't pay for cable. I could stream it or go onto YouTube mm-hmm. and watch clips, but like, I personally don't care to do that because whatever they're going to surface on TRL, I already found yeah. through yeah. a different social platform. Um, if what they're trying to do is just share music videos, I read a couple um, articles and watched a couple intro stuff um, of TRL and. I heard that they, like, it took them a while to even show a music video. Like, TRL had a tweet to their audience, like, by the way, we just showed a music video. Mm-hmm. When that did was their, yeah, yeah, did you see it? Because they were getting a bunch of backlash because they were just, like, talking about other pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, I don't watch TV. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of my, my yeah. stance. I'd have to agree. I also don't watch TV. The only thing I watch regularly television-wise is I watch American Horror Story through FX Now, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing I watch live broadcast. Okay. It's not even on my television. It's through the Computer. smart TV box. Yeah. Um, and I'd also agree with music videos, unless they are massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of the Taylor Swift, Look yeah. What You Made Me Do. Um, 
unless they're massive, I only really care about music videos unless they're an artist I deeply care about. Mm -hmm. But then again, on the other side, when they're massive, now they are massive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we'd be hard pressed to find a person in this office that hasn't seen Taylor Swift's mm -hmm. new music video. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have not seen it. <laughs> Well, you have to get with Found the times. One. Maybe it will be on TRL. Maybe you can watch it on cable. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think like big, big, big series uh, artists and yeah. stuff, that kind of comes. But I will say when I maybe discover a new artist or if mm -hmm. I'm going to a music fest and there's 50 artists that I've never yeah. heard of and I'm starting to get interested in them or learn about them, yeah. like I do appreciate the music video to see the character, to see the persona, to like see Like as a this. marketing tool. Almost. Well, yeah, it kind of sells them beyond their lyrics. Yeah. If you can see them in motion, like what kind of things are they doing in their music video? Um, I do appreciate that side of the music video culture. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't necessarily like sit around and wait for yeah. like new music videos. Yeah. And see, and that's why I think MTV kind of missed the mark um, by airing it on television, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. traditional TV. Uh, I think they definitely could have utilized some of the live streaming options mm -hmm. on, through social media, mm -hmm. whether it was on their Facebook page or, or Periscope or what have you. Snapchat, like one of the Snapchat. Oh, like, the Snap shows. That yeah. Are yeah. Yeah. They could have played a whole music video uh -huh. through Snapchat and that would have, yeah. that would have changed the that game. Right been so different. That would have been amazing. Really different you, right are now. you listening MTV? We're giving you all <laughs> the good stuff. content right now. All these good ideas. Um, yeah. Just talk to us after the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I think that uh, TRL does have the capacity to be that, like the gatekeeper that we were talking about mm -hmm. before, because as we talk about music being so diversified and on so many different platforms, mm -hmm. the fact that there could be one show that like elevates someone to pop stardom again, mm -hmm. but at the same time, that's impossible if you don't have viewership and there's just not the same viewership on TV yeah. across the entirety of our demographic in particular. For sure. To really make it that gatekeeper again, even though it's very possible for them if they could harness that viewership yeah i mean absolutely so i mean at the end of the day i mean mtv i i get what they were trying to do um but it's just it's so far gone as far as like the the the, the different ways that we can share music with one another and and kind of just consume popular music or or otherwise mm -hmm. that i i think this was more of like a nostalgia more of like a yeah. nostalgia yeah. play and even then, that. they should have brought Carson Daly back. It should have just been like a, a, a TRL special, like a two-hour special. Mm, that would have been. Where, you know, <laughs> where they... Been, like all 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, just like, like, like maybe like 10 or 15 of the most like iconic TRL mm, moments. Carson Daly's still relevant. Yeah, I mean... He's still doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, they, 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 it could have been a situation where they could have brought back that nostalgia trip. I would have watched it yeah. if I had known it was going to be this two-hour two, two hour thing and done. Like, hey, you remember this time? You remember when? And I'm like, yeah, I remember when. I was there. You know, and then kind of just moved on to greener pastures. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what their, what their long-term play is for this. So. We wish them good luck. <laughs> good luck, MTV. Good, good luck. luck. Good, good luck, luck, MTV and TRL. So I'm um, to kind of switch gears a little bit. I um, want to talk about uh, still staying in the vein of music, of course. It's just partnerships, um, kind of like instances where brands, companies, organizations kind of teamed up with. There are like three or four that I can think of at the top of my head. Teamed up with artists or even record companies or music collectives and kind of created something magical or not so magical. <laughs> so um, I think the first. The, the, the first one that comes to mind is Taylor Swift, uh, who I have a love-hate relationship with. 
um, when she teamed up with UPS. Do you, did you guys not you not hear I about this? I don't oh that. man, like, yeah, like it was it was. I don't want to want to call it an activation or experiment experiential, but for the when she released her latest album, uh-huh. um, you know, people who bought out actual CDs then they had to be shipped, yep. and so um, a concept, yeah. <laughs> And so, um, exactly, right? Um, and so she teamed up with UPS, and the UPS created like a, a couple of custom trucks. I want to say they were maybe just in New York or LA, where it was like UPS, the the official, um, I guess the official shipping company of Taylor Swift. Oh, man. And they had like her album cover art on the sides of the truck, oh, and I was rap, just like, rap yeah, yeah. And uh, there's probably maybe two or three of them that come and just rolling around yeah. the city. I was like, That's that is an interesting promotional <laughs> promotional stunt there. So, cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just one instance. Yeah. yeah, of course, like Dr. Dre beat like speakers. I feel like that's mm-hmm. always featured in a lot mm-hmm. of music videos. Yeah. Um, Right at the beginning. Um, but I mean, even with Dr. Dre, I mean, that's, he, he, I feel he like he's almost kind of transcended <laughs> yeah. that at this point. Like, Beats beats by Dre are, are more so a, are on the same level as Apple because Apple owns it, mm-hmm. but they're a lifestyle brand yeah. now. They're not even, like, uh-huh, music yeah. aficionados aren't even looking at Beats by Dre headphones for the sound quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are looking at it for these just look cool as shit on my head kind of thing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Something even this is a little different, but I'm thinking of it now is um, companies that aren't even music related, and I'm thinking of Red Bull, like their mm-hmm. tradition, like Red Bull going back to basics is sport drinks, but they fill yeah. all. They made a media company just around that brand, and they do um, they host uh, studio sessions all around the world, and they bring yeah. artists in yeah. and just do this collab. And of course, there's like this beautiful like. Uh, refrigerator in the background mm-hmm. you know all their products and yeah. their logo and stuff like that so yeah companies that aren't even on a music track kind of filter themselves to be because music is like we just mentioned part of yeah. our culture and something that people share um yeah, I mean, well, an example of that, Red Bull, they, they sponsor one of my favorite podcasts, um, The Bodega Boys, uh, which features Desus and Mero, um, two, co- two comedians from um, the Bronx, New York. And, you know, they, they start out every show, like, shouting out Red Bull Studios, because they actually record in Red Bull Studios. Yeah, so and so just, like, partnerships like that between, you know, brands and, and not even musicians and yeah. comedians. It's just, like, that's just one of those things that's kind of become you know, have kind of gone hand in hand as of late. Um, I'm trying to think of another example of where music and advertising. Oh God. Um, Spotify, Uh, Spotify. And I, I will always love Spotify for this This is one of my, one of my like just unicorn companies (laughs) last um, holiday season. They're really big in like data visualization and taking Mm -hmm. a lot of their data because they collect so much of it. And turning them into fantastic ad mm-hmm. campaigns. And one that they did, um, I think, was featured in certain parts of New York, maybe Times Square as well, where they, uh, oh, what was one example? It was like, so it would be like um, somebody played Justin Bieber's oh, Sorry, yeah. you know, 27 that. times in a row. <laughs> what did you do? Like, <laughs> and so like, there was just like, like a whole series of, of ads like that where they just took you know it's a brand and granted it's a music brand but it's still a, a brand that kind of harnessed music or yeah. the data that comes behind music and turned it into something fantastic mm, yeah. so mm. that's songs that's we all know and love yeah yeah exactly 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 mm-hmm. um on that same talking point is like 
we are served music and music suggestions using data just the same way that we're served ads based upon our listening history, sure. mm-hmm. what we're searching, what we're using, um, like what my Spotify recommendations yeah. is, is curated just to me. And, you know, you find new artists. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. um, that way. Um, and I, I, yeah, like thinking about how we share music today with Pandora with YouTube with all of these things versus before any of that media before TRL before MTV how people shared music was just <laughs> word of mouth and like you just mentioned the Brox but but I go back to like DJ battles and well like, I mean you wouldn't even have to, I I wouldn't go that far back just because well, the one thing that people don't realize is that like things like YouTube YouTube's not that old YouTube's not that old YouTube YouTube started in two thousand five yeah. 2005 but people talk about it like oh you remember yeah, YouTube and that's way like, back in the day like what did you guys do before YouTube I'm like it wasn't that long ago <laughs> it really it's just it's just a testament to how fast technology has expanded in such a short period of time but I mean going back to what you were saying um before I know for me before YouTube and and message Spotify <laughs> but after message boards um there were file sharing, you know, file sharing programs. Uh, Morpheus, WinMX, Napster, of course, um, <laughs> Nutella. Wow. I can keep going. There's a bunch of them. Shout out to everybody who knew exactly what I was talking about just now. Uh, we are united and we are strong. Um, but yeah, like file sharing, like P2P. And there's still a few out there, but um, P2P file sharing services and, and web apps were kind of just like that underground mm-hmm. kind of telegram service that kind of that gave you an opportunity to it's it's initial intention was to allow people to share certain custom files mm-hmm. that they of, of music that you know oh my, my my friends and I we have a garage band and we yeah. recorded a couple tracks here here you take a look take a listen. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it turned into the monster that it became to where, you know, the RIAA got involved and Metallica cried about it. And, you know, everybody was upset. I mean, for 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 valid reasons. But um, I think that was where a lot of the file or music sharing opportunities came pre YouTube, pre SoundCloud, pre whatever, you know, streaming service that you're into, whether it's Pandora, Spotify or, or, or any of the others. Um, so I mean, it's it, it was just a it was a natural evolution of things, mm-hmm. but again, it just it transpired in a very short yeah. period of time. We're talking on a like consumer user side of music, but then think about how artists, mm-hmm. especially in hip hop and electric, which is um, like how they used to share music and samples. And I recently listened to um, a podcast on. I feel bad that I don't know the DJ's name. Maybe you, you'll know once mm. I start telling the story. But um, he's a well-known DJ now. But before that and before there was um, any platforms to do this, he would create what he called blab kits in his closet. And he would just make like a, huh. you know, and that was one blab. And then he would, and that was another. And he would morph the sounds using mm. a computer mm-hmm. just to tweak it just a little bit. And then these blab kits he would send to his other you know, music producer friends, um, and they would buy these blab kits, just like how we go on to share and stream music. It mm-hmm. was just for composers and for producers to share different samples. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, so I, you know, I would, I would sell these. And then one day I'd be driving and I'd hear J. Cole's new album. And I'd be like, oh my, that's, that's for my blab that's kit. That's my snap. And it's, just, it's literally a snap. Yeah. And it's just repeated throughout the whole thing. And that is, I guess, um, how he kind of like, 
pioneered that um, sharing of just yeah. little sounds to other producers. Um, it was a Planet Planet Money uh, podcast. If you're looking for um, for the dude's name, it's wait, like, what did you call them? Blab Kids. I want to say that was maybe was that D, it was a it was a DJ like, it was like Hive like, Mind or no something like like, say, like ill ill mind ill mind <laughs> okay there you go. look at that look at that dang I was gonna say it's something like uh, ill mind he was like he's disease I don't yeah. no ill mind that's not even that far back though no it's like, not it's not that far huh. far back but that was um. That was something that I listened yeah, to. Last week yeah, yeah, that's where a lot of that yeah, a lot of beats and snaps. And cool. even then, I mean, shout out to to Illmind, but even then, a lot of those snap kits came before him with like Lil John and 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 the Eastside Boys, like back in like two, the early two thousands, like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, the golden age of Southern hip hop, which is my favorite genre of music. Um, who is your favorite artist, Brian? My favorite artist or just like, of all time? Nah, it's just like ballpark. Like, you don't have to be like, it's not going to be like written in right gold. Now. I don't know. Uh, Kenny Rogers? No. <laughs> Wait, that does not add up to what you were just saying. Went from Lil John to Kenny Rogers. I'm sure yeah, there's a six degrees of separation yeah, okay. there. Difference. No, no. Buster Rhymes is probably my favorite rapper of all time. Um, but I mean, I I kind of listen to. I'm just a walking cliche. I listen to all types of music. <laughs> you know, like I don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a little bit of everything. So. Um. Yeah. Um. See, are we moving on to future music now? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I am absolutely. so ready for Down to future move on. music. Oh, gosh. Right, aren't we all? And so, Soothsayer over here. <laughs> I'm always excited about the like future projection, projection sections. Yeah. Future projection <laughs> sections. Let's talk about um, artificial intelligence composing because um, I also Ooh. work in radio and jingles and okay. all those things. And I see a lot of articles about... Um, for some reason, radio jingles are huge in India right now, um, and they're okay. doing a lot of experimentation with AI jingle writing. Mm. Um, and so there's this endless, endless internal battle of, this is a lot cheaper to produce a jingle by a robot, yeah. but does it sound like human music? And when it sounds like human music, is it worth buying? And is it going to be better mm. and more impactful to use that robot instead of just throwing the extra money into human hands and letting a human touch actually create this music. There is a um, current AI composer or tech company, it's mm -hmm. called Juke Deck. Um, and they, I think they won TechCrunch in like 2016. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, 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 it's happening right now. And it's pretty much used for what you just said, except yeah. for jingles, it's used for music, uh, YouTube videos. So it's this uh, artificial intelligent computer that uh, is specifically geared towards YouTubers. So mm -hmm. there's literally thousands and thousands of videos uploaded to YouTube each day, and most of them are just tutorials, or most of them are speaking points that need background music. And for a YouTuber to go and buy, you know, a Shutterstock version of a video song is like 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, and to go through all this royalty and, you know, it, it, it's not really customizable. And so this, this AI, this composer, um, you go on, you say, my video is 
this long. I need mm-hmm. music that's this long. I need it to fit this kind of mood. The video is showing this kind of people and it will watch the video and then create a customizable song just for that person to use. And you sign up, you get a subscription, but it's significantly less expensive mm-hmm. than trying to get a like royalty-free license thing from yeah. like a Shutterstock yeah. type um, stuff. And uh, I watched them speak a little bit at their um, TechCrunch like pitch and it was so 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 cool um and that guarantees everybody a royalty free song that's just for their video so um for it to be like an album of that's not really what they were looking at Mm -hmm. but for youtubers i was also thinking like for the soundtrack of the video game and if you're a big video game you go back to that partnership and you make money by having uh different artists on your tracks Mm -hmm. but like some smaller smaller video games just having a uh ai being able to like learn your game and then create music to it yeah it's cool i think that youtube tutorial background track <laughs> is the perfect tester market for this yeah um because we don't want low stakes <laughs> no no like relatively low stakes for you to be learning how to knit and mm-hmm. then if the computer is just like keyboard mashing then like mm, worse things can happen um Video games is an intriguing concept. I could definitely see it being used for smaller startup companies mm-hmm. that need games. But at the same time, I have um, a lot of friends that are studying music, and they are so invested in the music of the games that they love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, like, mm-hmm. nearly a religious following. Mm-hmm. They're like, did you hear the new Zelda mm-hmm. soundtrack? The way that the marimba comes in at this exact <laughs> moment really ties in with how I feel during the boss battle. Like, So I, I think that's a very interesting concept. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Equally terrified mm-hmm. to see where it goes from here. Um, Why does that scare you? I don't, well, I don't know. Like, our, it's, it's odd just the concept of realizing if this is successful. Mm-hmm. And it is, though. It's happening. So it's happening. It's future projections, but like this is happening on a smaller scale. So this is occurring right now, mm-hmm. and there's some robot mm-hmm. that can create music that I can say sounds and feels like mm-hmm. real music that I experience and I enjoy. Yeah. And it's the same thing that we talk about all the time whenever anyone talks about anything with AI. It's just kind of scary that like this robot knows what we like and this robot... Because humans created it. Because humans created it. But... Well, I mean, and that's the, the idea of like AI architecture is one of the hot jobs that's, that's popping up a lot mm-hmm. in advertising mm-hmm. and not necessarily in the tech world. Um, so... Because there have been conversations about how AI could potentially replace copywriters and replace mm-hmm. designers on a smaller scale. And just, uh, and I get it. I see where the implication lies. But I think, and this is just me predicting the future, I think there's going to be kind of a combination. It's gonna, it's ultimately going to sell in a combination between a, an, an AI-driven catalyst okay. that might set the framework for a the, the composition for a video game okay. or you know the the script for a commercial, mm-hmm. and then it's going to it's going to ultimately need that human touch to kind of go in and and, and fill mm-hmm. in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And so for something like that, I can totally I can totally get down with. But it's also going to require people who may have been steeped in a more traditional. Uh, background or, or, or education like who maybe someone a copywriter for example who who came up writing you know at went to a, a, a oh gosh an advertising school and mm-hmm. you know it's like this is how you write this is the best way to write this is how you sell products they're going to have to pivot like drastically yeah, yeah pivot and be and, and and not become like an expert you know techie but 
be able to navigate AI software enough to be able to work hand in hand with that software to create something completely new. So you're envisioning more of like this supercomputer that can endlessly test like the best combinations of things Mm -hmm. and kind of like this, I don't know, Mad Libs is a bad example, but like they know the framework and they're just kind of sending out the statistical best option and then the human side is the polishing of it yeah because well because as it stands right now and i can't speak for every agency but i know in the past in past experiences a again using copyright as an example like i have to be responsible for going back and researching everything that a client has done for a set number of years from who they've targeted how much their audience has shifted in 5 10 15 years what have you and being able to extrapolate as much data from that resource as I can to then interpret it into meaningful messaging for not only current audiences, but start, but to be thinking in the future. Now you put an AI kind of augmentation into the mix who can do millions and millions of calculations in, in split seconds, mm-hmm. takes the, 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 the guesswork out of me trying to figure out what a company's done for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then I can just take that data mm. and kind of it's already been interpreted and then use like a, it's almost like an executive summary mm-hmm. of how this company has been and what they could be in the next two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And then I can make I could create even more meaningful messaging so without all the work. Like a Google search on steroids. <laughs> how, what has happened in the last 15 years for this one specific? And, 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 and moreover, cool. what? what has those happening what can those happenings mean for this company in the future Hmm. so yeah i mean i i kind of welcome the idea of ai Mm -hmm. but i think in order for it to be truly effective it's going to have to be a a tag team where the ai Mm kind of does the heavy lifting and then that human touch comes in and kind of polishes it um a story that maybe kind of combines that human interaction with Mm -hmm. this technology um and talking about music uh, I don't know if 2016 Coachella was the latest Coachella. I don't know if there's been one in 2017 yet. I'm not really sure. Yeah, Coachella's in, it's it's in it's April? It's in the spring, yeah. yeah so that's like April. The, the previous Coachella, uh-huh. um, HP was the official technology sponsor. Uh-huh. And they had... Really? This, Hewlett Packard? <laughs> huh. They had a, uh, a dome, uh, like this exhibit, and uh-huh. it was this huge dome um and it was an uh experiential art installation Mm -hmm. and tech installation and i watched a little thing of it on youtube and i'm like sitting at my desk outside Mm. i'm just like whoa whoa (laughs) and um the video itself on youtube which kind of ties into this conversation was 360 degrees so i can navigate it which also like think about 360 degree Mm -hmm. music videos like those are out now um didn't okay go do one yeah Yep, thought so. Um, but this this exhibit by HP at Coachella was VR, so users put on a headset and HP, you yeah. know, all decked out, and they would sit in these chairs, and it was just this music show, like trippy, uh, in this <laughs> dome, and it, it was it, the the art exhibit itself was super cool, but it was also a way for HP to um, market and introduce technology to a different like audience than what they're you know used to um shifting it to millennials and younger people as Mm -hmm. um they say okay like we're not just we don't just like do computers because when i think of hp that's the only thing i can really or printers honestly i think of printers yeah um so kind of showing them like look we had we're with the game um but that was like a huge um huge life size step in size see what we got the Um, n the antarctic dome yeah yeah 
you should Whoa. watch a video, but like it, I mean, it sit looks down trippy. while you're watching it. It looks pretty trippy. Like, wow, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I'm very interested in the prospect of the 360 VR music mm-hmm. video. I think the next step is because I mean, OK Go is like mm-hmm. a big name, but I think the ticket is getting the Taylor Swifts of the industry. Yeah, and go getting that mainstream buy-in mm-hmm. enough that like big name people that they're diehard fans will say, "Oh, I have to get even a Google Cardboard." Like yeah. when Kanye went to Title, or I guess was integral in the creation of Title. I have friends that still use Title mm. because Kanye's attached to yeah, it. Mm-hmm. That was the only way I could get the the new Jay Z album. Yeah. <laughs> so. And even like with VR, AR, all of the R's, like you could potentially like put yourself yeah. into a music video and like dance and like Taylor Swift's posse or like, not, I'm not really like trying to do that, but like <laughs> insert whomever you want. Yeah. Um, and like you could, you could, that could be a thing. Just like how Snapchat, we have our, our guys hanging out. For sure. Um, Cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think that that, that kind of that's a good endpoint uh, in the discussion about uh, music and all of its implications in the, the advertising realm. So I'd like to thank Sam and Kelsey for coming in, as always, um, for hanging out and, and, and waxing poetic on all things music advertising. Um, of course, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to provoke, P-R-O-V-O-K, at evokead.com, and follow us on Twitter at Evoke Advertising and on Facebook at Evoke Advertising to keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. How many times can I say advertising? We'll find out. Um, and as far as today's quotes concerned, Sam actually brought this one up, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's from probably one of my favorite comedians, Steve Martin. He said, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. And with that said, y'all take care.